Welcome to our DSM Hollywood podcast series. The following is an excerpt from Dr. Daniel Sherstad's weekly online Bible study for those in the entertainment industry, along with those who have a passion to see the kingdom of God revealed in Hollywood. For more information about DSM Hollywood, including upcoming events and how to join in on our Bible studies, please visit www.dsmhollywood.com. We're so glad you have tuned in, and we're grateful for the privilege to help you grow in your holy calling in Christ Jesus. Before you listen, I encourage you to grab your Bible and set your heart in expectancy to receive from the Lord, knowing that his heart is free to grow in knowing him and to grow in walking with him. imparted to our spirits lord god may your word find place find a place in our heart here tonight may your word be engrafted may it stick to us lord god father i in our souls tonight i pray in the name of jesus so we thank you lord for the spirit of wisdom the spirit of understanding Mm, lord god father right now we thank you for the anointing that causes your word to jump off the page and become part of the very fabric of our spiritual being. And we thank you for that and give you all the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Man, I feel the strong presence of the Lord here tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Uh, thank you. Bless you, guys. I want to bless everybody that's watching here tonight on the, on the Google Meet, everybody's on Facebook. Bless you, guys. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'll, <clears throat> amen. I'll just give you a second to go and get seated here. Oh, sweetheart, I think this is the wrong. Can you give me that one? I think that's my water there. I don't know whose this is. Is that your water? <laughs> Thanks. Sorry about that. It's an absolute incredible presence. Lord. We kind of started a little bit late here, but we ended up spending about 30 minutes from like uh, 7 to 7.35 just praying for people. As before we even started, this that presence of God just came spontaneously in this place here tonight. And so we're so grateful for that and so thankful for his presence. I believe God's already done some incredible things for people here tonight. And I want to talk here tonight <clears throat> You know, one of the one of the purposes of the of the prophetic ministry is to um, is to impart hope. Let me say that again. One of the purposes of the prophetic ministry is to impart hope. And uh, some of you have heard me say this before. Maybe some of you haven't. But um, I want to say it, uh, that uh, once you lose hope for the future. You have lost all power in the present tense because faith is the power that changes present-day circumstances. But faith is the substance of what, what you're hoping for to happen in your life. Have you ever noticed, and I was just kind of meditating upon this this week and thinking about this, that how, how hope and joy are directly connected just let's just take a moment and think about that because sometimes we think you know that they're just totally two separate things but when somebody is full of hope as it relates to their future you can see joy in their face you can see joy in their life when they've lost hope for the future that's why the bible says in the book of proverbs hope deferred makes the heart sick Mm. but desire realized is like eating from the tree of life itself Uh, the tree of life speaks of your destiny not just going to heaven it speaks of your eternal destiny that god has spoken over your life before you were even in your mother's womb Uh, so you when every time you lose hope mm, you lose joy I, th- I hold the conviction, I might, be, I might be wrong, but I hold the conviction that 
you can measure somebody's joy by how much hope they have. And then you can measure someone's joy by how much hope they have or, how, or the other way around, how much hope they have by how much joy is coming. Because once you lose, now listen now, the Bible says that in the fullness of his presence is the joy of the Lord, right? And then he says in Nehemiah 8.10 that the joy of the Lord is his strength. Okay, so, so joy. The apostle Paul says in the book of Romans that uh, the kingdom of God is not meat or drink or it's not natural things, but it's righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost, in the Holy Spirit, right? So and that is one of the manifestations of the kingdom of God in our lives. And so uh, when I look at somebody, when I'm talking to somebody, and I see that there's no joy going on in their life, mm, don't really need a word from the Lord, I can come quickly to the conclusion they have lost hope for the future. Because when you have real hope, okay, and let me define what biblical hope is for you tonight. Hope is not what our culture says it is today. We're living in a day and an hour in our culture right now where they define hope as wishing for something. I hope I don't hit any traffic as I drive to the Bible study tonight. Mm, you're just wishing. I hope I get a brand new Mercedes for Christmas. That, that might be a pipe dream, not even a wish kind of thing, right? Uh, so that's not, that is not what the word hope actually means in the Bible. Get this, when you look it up in the original language, this is what hope is, watch. A joyful expectation that something good is about to happen. Mm, let me say that again. A joyful, a joyful or an expectation that's full of joy that something good is about to happen. Come on now. So if you got no joy, you got no expectation, and you got no hope. And therefore, you got no strength whatsoever. And you are literally, then you wonder why, oh my God, why is this happening in my life? Why don't I, why do I feel this way? Why is this going on? So there's so important that we understand what real hope is. I've been, I've been saying for a couple of years now that uh, I, I love saying this, that the person with the greatest hope in the room will always have the greatest influence over everybody else in the room. Let me say that again. If you're the person that walks into a room and you have more hope about the future than anybody else in that room, I promise you, whether you're saved or or not saved, whether God is involved or not involved. I don't care if it's all totally ungodly. Even if we took God out of the equation, when somebody who has hope for the future, come on now, and speaks words of hope for the future, they will have the most influence because everybody in the else in that room will want to listen to what that person has to say. Because everybody wants hope for the future. So hope is so important, but it is a joyful expectation that something good is about to happen in my life. So with that thought in mind, let's go to the, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures out of the book of Hebrews, and then we're going to read a couple of scriptures, uh, read some scriptures out of the book of Isaiah tonight. But Hebrews chapter 6, Hebrews chapter 6 <clears throat> reads like this. Verse 19 and verse 20, last two verses of chapter 6 in the book of Hebrews says, I'm going to read it out of the Amplified Bible, and then I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible here tonight. It says, now, we have this hope. Let's read it like, that. We, let's in, 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 put the definition in there. Now, we have this joyful expectation that something good is about to happen, and it is as sure as a steadfast anchor that's holding my soul in place. It cannot slip and it cannot break down under whoever steps out upon that hope. 
whoever steps out on this joyful expectation that something good is about to happen, he says it will bring a steadfastness, a stability to like an anchor does to a ship in the middle of a storm. It holds it in place. He says that kind of expectation and joy causes a strength and a faith to operate in you that causes you to stand strong in the midst of the storm. And says it actually reaches farther and enters into the very certainty of the presence within the veil. Where Jesus has entered in for us in advance, a forerunner having become a high priest forever after the order and the rank of Melchizedek. So, what is this hope here? In verse 18 it says that God gives us his word of promise and then he backs it up by swearing that he will keep his promise. So that is the hope. That is the hopeful, joyful expectation that something is going to good going to happen. It's not based upon some kind of whim, not some, some kind of wish, some kind of pipe dream. It's based upon the promise of God's word that he has spoken over your life as it relates to your future and then has sworn that he will back it up. Come on now. Literally, come on now. I've given him my word and then I my covenant. Then I sealed it establish it, ratified it through the shedding of the power of my blood once and for all. It's a done deal. Come on now. So I don't need, I don't need to talk him into it. I just need to know what is mine. That's why Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says that he is already past tense, blessed us with every spiritual blessing that you could ever desire in this life in Christ Jesus. It goes on in chapter 2, says that you are literally seated in Christ at the right hand of the Father and you rule as a king and a priest just like Jesus Christ. So when your father sees you, he sees you in Christ. He relates to you like he relates to Christ. He thinks about you like he thinks about Christ. He talks about you like he talks about Christ. Everything is heart, thoughts, words, actions, everything. He, so anyway, so here, that's why Romans chapter 8 says, If God the Father expressed his love to the extreme, the farthest extreme expression of his love is this, that he sent his only begotten son, come on now, to come and to die for you. That is the ultimate, the extreme expression of his love. He said, how much more, or let me put it like this, everything else that he is going to do is going to fall short of what he already did for you. Come on. It doesn't even come close to what he's already done for you. So so he says, how much more will he do bless you with all these other good things? So you need to think, well, I don't know, man. I don't know if God really wants to do that for me. No, he's already done it for you. And he's already gone to the extreme. He couldn't go any further in expressing his love. So anything you need to do for you right now, it falls way short of what he's already done for you. So it falls already, it's already in the category. It's already in there. He just, so this, I want you to see like from here to there, everything else he's gonna ever do is already fallen into the gap right there. It's already yours for the taking kind of thing. So you got this kind of hope, this kind of his word, his promise, this hope right here. Now listen to me, let me, uh, let me read it out of the, uh, the message Bible here, Hebrews, Chapter 6, it says here, um, we, he says, when God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave us his word, a rock-solid guarantee. God can't break his word because his word can't change. A promise, and likewise, is unchangeable. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope, the promised hope joyful expectation 
that something good is about to happen. We grab that with both hands and we never let it go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances, no matter what's happening in your life, right into the very presence of God the Father where Jesus has gone before and run ahead and literally created a, a pathway for you to get there, has taken up a permanent post as a high priest and king for us in, in, in and after the order of Melchizedek. He says this hope, this expect, this joyful expectation that something good is about to happen is like a spiritual lifeline or a spiritual I want you to envision it like a spiritual ring. I just, I just heard the other day, well, I think it was two days ago, that um, on every year on all these cruise ships that go all over the world, that 20 people a year disappear from these ships. And they're never investigated. Because either they're jumping off and committing suicide, or either somebody's throwing them off and killing them, or they're accidentally falling off the ships. But every, since the day cruise lines came into existence, every single year, 20 people disappear, and nobody ever gives it a second thought. So I want you to envision you accidentally falling off a cruise ship. Come on now. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> cruise line. And what do they do? If somebody sees you, they have, they have all these, these big life, these rings, right? Uh, and they, it's tied to a rope. And they throw it out to you. That's what the message translation is trying to say. That this hope, come on now, when you have fallen, come on now, out of the boat, so to speak, when you're in the midst of a storm, the waves, everything seems to be overwhelming in your life. It doesn't look like you're going to make it. God says, listen, I've already, past tense, thrown you a lifeline or thrown you the ring, which is my hope, my word, my promise, a joyful expectation. All I need you to do is grab a hold of it with both hands and hold on. Because there's a rope tied to it that leads to the mercy seat. Come on now. On the other side of the veil. Because mercy always trumps justice. And he says, I'm holding on to the rope on the other side of the veil. And he says, I will grab the rope and I will begin to pull on the rope and pull you past all of the circumstances that are screaming at you that you're not going to make it and that God's word and God's promise as it relates to your future isn't going to have, no, happen. No, I'm going to be joyful. Come on now. Now, a joyful expectation because I have a hope that for my future that cannot be broken. Are you catching hold of this tonight? Now, with that thought in mind, I want you to go back to the, to the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 35. I want to read some scriptures here from Isaiah chapter 35 here. I'm talking about joy, hope, the future, seeing that taking place in our lives. The verse, the verse two verses here kind of give us the backdrop of what's going on here. I want you to, to read it like this. It says, the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. And the desert shall rejoice and blossom like flowers during autumn. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of the region of Lebanon, which is absolutely beautiful, shall be given to it. The excellence of the mountain of Carmel, which is majestic, and the valley of Sharon, which is beautiful. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty and the splendor and the excellency of our God. Hmm. So he's saying here, now watch that here, the wilderness, the desert, the dried lands, it says here now, it's using it's this beautiful, prophetic, poetic imagery to try to communicate to us how God wants us to live and what God has done and wants to do for us. 
So let's envision. So he said, even the wilderness, even the desert, even when it seems totally impossible, it says here, as they begin to rejoice, come on now, as they begin to sing in the midst of the dry areas, in the midst of the wilderness, in the midst of the dead situation, when it looks like there's no hope, it says, it says they will begin to rejoice when they have nothing to rejoice about. They're going to they're be joyful. Come on, why? Because there, there is a hope there that God has spoken his word over and God always keeps his word. So the joy, the rejoicing, the singing comes from a hope that's been birthed by the prophetic promise of God well, of what he wants to do with the people of God. <clears throat> Verse 3. Strengthen the weak hands. Make firm the feeble and the tottering knees. Verse 4. Say, decree to those who are fearful, <clears throat> be strong. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and he will save you. Mm. Oh, come on now. Ooh, I tell you, I got a word from the Lord for somebody here tonight. Come on now. Right here. So he says here now, we are all ministers of reconciliation. We are all ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are all called as kings and priests. We're all sons and daughters. We're all called and commissioned to do what God has called us to do. So the verse 1 and verse 2 gives us the backdrop of what God, the picture of what God is going to do and has done and wants us to experience. Verse 3 and verse 4 tells us the responsibility that we have in the commission, in cooperating with the Lord. I, I, I want to just take a moment. We, I could not overemphasize or the importance of obeying the Lord and doing what we've been commissioned to do. This thinking that has crept into the church that goes like this, that I really don't have to do what God's commissioned me to do, and if I don't do it, the Lord will pick up the slack and do it for me. That is an absolutely a diabolical lie from the pit of hell. We do not serve a God who's sitting around, oh, you don't feel like doing it? Oh, that's okay. I'll do it for you. No, it don't work that way in the kingdom of God. Oh, you don't want to lay hands on the sick? You don't want to raise the dead? You don't want to cast out devils? You don't want to tell people about Jesus? Come on, that's okay. So we sit around praying, oh, Lord, save, save this person, save that person, save this family. And the Lord says, no, 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 no. If you'll go, then I'll go. If you don't go, I don't go. This kind of thinking that, oh, my goodness, well, the Lord, you know, he, I, I don't really, you know, it's no big deal if I do it. He'll just send some angels to do it. No, 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 no. He's not sending angels to do it. He's sending you to do it. You are the body of Christ, the anointed one on the earth. You are the personification of Jesus on the earth. If you don't do it, it doesn't get done. Come on now, whatever area you're called, as it relates to your business in, in Hollywood, the industry, if you don't go, come on now, as the hands of God extended, the mouth of God extended, and you don't do what he's asked you to do, it's not going to get done. All you got to do is spend a little time looking at history. If God was going to just do it because we didn't do it, I'm pretty sure it would have been done by now. But we got, come on now, we got 6,000 years of God not showing up and doing it for us when we refuse to do it. When the children of Israel refused to go into the promised land, notice he didn't say, well, that's okay, it's no big deal, kind of thing. No, he said, no, you're all going to die now. 
and we'll let the children rise up. I'll wait. If i got to wait 40 years for another generation that will obey me and do what I've asked them to do so that I can do what I want to do and raise up a nation unto myself, so be it. I'll wait another 40 years. That's, mm, I'd rather do it now, but if i got to wait, I'm going to wait. I say, uh, let the Lord do it now. I say, let the Lord use this generation. Come on now. I say, we're not going to wait for another generation to rise up and to obey the Lord. I say that we are going to obey God. Come on now. And do what God asked him to do. And that means that if we are going to come along somebody, come on now. It says right there. It says right there. And strengthen the weak hands and make firm the tottering knees. That means that you're going to have to show up with something. You can't give what you don't have. You can't give strength if you don't got strength. You can't give joy if you don't got joy. You can't give peace if you don't got peace. Come on now. So that's why verse 1, verse 2, he says, in the midst of your wilderness dry situation, if you'll make a decision and begin to rejoice begin to praise me, begin to worship me, begin to sing. Come on now. There will be a hope, a strength, a joyful expectation that you can function from. And now the people that come into your life that need to be strengthened, come on now, and lift it up, you can do it. But if you're going to be in that place where they are, then you can't help them. So you got to get strong yourself. You got to, how does that happen? Again, holding on to the promise and the word of God, no matter what happens, a joyful expectation. Oh my God, something good's about to happen in my life. That joy brings his strength. Now, when somebody comes into my life and they're stumbling, their knees are weak, whatever, their, their knees are tottering, they're going because of fear, whatever, they're, they're strong that you can grab a hold of them. Put their arm, come on now, just, just envision yourself putting your arm around them or locking your arms with them, locking your arms and helping to hold them up. And that may mean to do, actually doing something physically for them. And then he says, it's not just simply about doing something physical for them. He says, then you need to say something over them. You need to prophetically decree and declare my word over them. And I don't believe that Isaiah is talking about that if your friend needs a word from the Lord, that you, that you should just like sit around and wait for the Lord to show up to give you a word for your friend. I'm talking about God has already given us a directive from the word of God. You have his authority. You have his word. He said, when I send these people into your life or when you come into their lives and they are weak and they need strength, you need to do what you can to help them, come alongside them, strengthen them. But then you need to open up your mouth and actually say something over their lives. And he said, this is what you say. He said, you begin to say, be strong. Do not fear. Mm, mm, your God is going to come and he is going to avenge you. He is the avenger of all avengers. Come on, somebody. He is the marvelous avenger, Isaiah is saying. He shows up, come on, every time you need him to avenge, he says, if you'll be strong. You just begin to decree that. Listen, friend. Listen, brother. Here's listen, sister. I'm not going to sit around. A lot of times we want to just, we want to just get around people who are going to feel sorry for us. Come on now. And just you know, and jump into the self-pity boat with us kind of thing. So either you can, you can just gather those people around you. Or you can go to somebody who knows the authority that they have in Christ. Come on. That actually can do some real help for you. Come on now. Come. So we don't need pity parties. We don't need somebody to come alongside and just, oh. Oh, you don't you don't feel that? Oh, you don't. Oh, that that's okay. The Lord understands. No, He don't understand because He's already given you His word. He's already given you His promise. You need to say, grab a hold of them. Come on now and say something. Be strong. 
Stop whining. Stop complaining. Come on now. Offer up a prayer of thanksgiving. Don't stop fearing. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. He said stop fearing and know that the God who avenges is on his way to your house and he is going to avenge you and he's going to save you out of your circumstances and he is going to cause supernatural restoration and recompense to come to your life. Oh, my God. Somebody hear the word and somebody hear the voice within my voice here tonight because I'm prophesying to somebody here tonight. I'm telling you right now, you're not here by accident tonight. You're not here by coincidence. You are here by divine appointment. You're on this call by divine appointment. You're watching this by, uh, by divine appointment tonight. And the word of the Lord is saying, I come to you no matter what you have. I came to bring a word. Be strong. You don't need to be afraid of nothing because the avenger of all avengers is flying to your house. Come on now, by way of the Holy Spirit, and he's going to save you out of your circumstances. You say that over them. Decree it. Prophesy it over them. Ephesians 4.29 says, do not speak worthless words. Do not speak words of negativity, but speak words that edify, words that build up, words that bring grace. Grace is enabling power of the Holy Spirit. Mm, he's saying right there that when you begin to show up in somebody's life and do what God's called you to do, come on, grab a hold of them and speak the word of God over them. He says, when you do that, I watch my sons and my daughters. They're like, look at him. Look at my son. Look at my daughter. They just spoke, come on now, a word, come on now, of encouragement, strength, and grace over them. And God shows up and boom, he causes his favor and his grace to slap that person silly. Because you chose to obey the commission of the Lord. The Lord don't do it until you do it. That's why he said in Mark chapter 16 when he sent the disciples and the apostles out, it says that he went out working with them, doing <clears throat> signs and wonders, indisputable acts of authority that remove all doubt concerning the authenticity of the word of promise that you have spoken over their lives. Working with them. The Lord went with them. He didn't go before them. He went when they actually got up and went. And so until we actually do that, whatever world that we're living in, it's never going to happen. So we can sit around and... Uh, throw God under the bus or just say, well, I guess the Lord don't really want to do it. You know, this kind of thing and just come up with all kinds of excuses. Or we can sit back and say, you know what? I'm done with the day and the season of my life where I'm operating in a lack of confidence before God and expectation before God and with some real joyful expectation that God's really going to do something good in my life. And I'm going to stop blaming him. And saying, well, I guess it just ain't the Lord's will. Yeah, some people tried that with Jesus. It didn't really go too well with them. Kind of thing. He doesn't really. So here's the next verse. Watch this now. Watch it. Verse 5. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. Then. Not until. Then. When is it going to happen? It's when somebody showed up. Come on now. Full of joy full of hope, grabbed a hold of somebody, began to say over them, be not afraid. Come on, do not fear. The Lord is with you. Come on, the avenger of all avengers is coming. He's going to save you. He's going to cause recompense to happen. When you do that, then the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit shows up on the scene. Shh. Only, but it doesn't show up until then. I don't, I don't know why God don't intervene. Why did, because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Then the, then the eyes of the blind were opened. Then the ears of the deaf became unstopped. Then the lame man got up and began to walk. Then the tongue that could not speak began to sing with joy. For waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And the burning sand and shall become like a pool. And the thirsty ground like springs of waters. Mm, he says where they lay rest. And the grass and the reeds and everything 
shall be watered. Have you noticed that throughout the entire Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, whenever God mentions, when the prophets speak prophetically and poetically using the phrase water, it always, just about almost, I'm not sure if I can say 100%, but just almost 100% of the time throughout the Bible, it is a direct reference to the presence and power of the Holy Spirit all the time. Come on. Oh, Lord, we need a breakthrough. Oh, my God. Don't worry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send streams in the wilderness and the desert. Lord, we don't need a stream. We don't need a river. Come on now. We need a breakthrough. We need a miracle. I don't need. We got plenty of streams. No, no. He ain't talking about natural streams. Come on. He's talking about the presence, the, whole, the presence of God, streams in the desert, rivers on top of the mountain. Uh, the latter rain shall be greater than the former rain. The rain, the Holy Spirit presence came down upon them like rain. When I was back in 2018, I was in South Africa. <clears throat> I got up, I prophesied that they were in the middle of a drought, they, that it was God was going to cause it to rain while we were there. I was preaching at a conference called the Open Heaven Conference. And I said, as a sign from the Lord, it will begin to rain inside the building. I prophesied that on a Saturday night. By Thursday night, five days later, I was on the platform prophesying it again, and it began to rain in the building. Supernaturally. As a sign from the Lord that he was going to do what he said he would do. God's a God who keeps his promises, keeps his word. The supernatural took place after somebody got up there. I sounded like I had lost my mind kind of thing. And when you're prophesying that it's going to rain in the building, people tend to think that you are crazy kind of thing. You don't, you don't. And, uh, and so, but you're going to have to, if, you, if you're all about keeping a persona of being dignified all the time, you will see very little of the supernatural. Mm, coming, you got to show up with some joy. Come on now. Joyful expectation. Then verse 8, he says, A highway shall be there, a way, and it shall be called the, the holy way, or the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for the redeemed, he said, yes, even the simple ones and even the fools shall not err in it or lose their way. No lion shall be there speaking, come on, no, no ravenous beast shall come upon this, this way. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk on this highway of holiness. <sighs> Isaiah 62.10 says that when you begin to praise and you begin to worship God, you are like a bulldozer plowing up the ground, making a highway for the Lord to show up. Let me say that again. He says that when you begin to praise me and you begin to worship me, that's why Judah is called the plow. Come on now. In Hosea chapter 10, he says, Judah shall be my plow. He says, when you begin to literally praise me and worship me and offer up thanksgiving to me and sing with joy, come on now, before anything begins to happen, you'll be like a bulldozer that goes before me and actually makes a way where there is no way and creates a highway of holiness. When we stand before God one day, what do you think we're going to be saying? We are not going to be saying, love, 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 even though God is love. We're not going to be saying, great, 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 even though our God is great. We're going to be saying, holy, holy, holy. Holiness is not a list of things you do or don't do. Holiness is the actual beauty of God himself. That's why we're going to be saying holy. It's the beautiness of his holiness. It's the actual expression of how beautiful God is. 
and he says, I'm going to build a highway with my people. Come on now. It's going to be so big, so strong, so powerful. Come on now, that even when you do foolish things, you can't fall off this road. Come on, that's exciting. I don't know about you, but that encourages me because I've, I've done some foolish stuff in my lifetime. Come on. I've made some foolish decisions, and guess what? I'm still on the highway of holiness to the Lord for he, by his grace and his honor. Come on now. Let me read the last verse right here. It says, <clears throat> it says, and the ransom or the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with joy and singing it says with singing and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads let me say that the redeemed of the lord shall return get the picture i want you to envision the picture they shall show up singing and with joy then it says as they do that then they shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. So he said, the ones who show up in my presence with joy. Come on, the ones who show up, come on now, with singing. The ones who show up with rejoicing when they come to me, then I'm going to pour more joy on them. Come on now. More rejoicing on them. More hope on them. Come on, if you want an upgrade of joy, you got to show up with some joy. If you want an upgrade of hope, you got to show up with some hope. You got to show up any old way you feel like doing it and think that the Lord is going to slap a blessing on you. You got to do, come on, this is the prophetic word of the Lord for the church of Jesus Christ today, right now. And if we're living in a day and an hour where we need to do this more than ever before, and this is right here, right here, right here, right now, right now. We're living. How can you go out there to this generation, these people, and we're living in a day and an hour where people have absolutely no hope. Hope is a premium. It's a, the, you can't even put a price tag on the. It's so valuable out there. But how can you go out there if you're in the same condition, have the same attitude, the same spirit of, of discouragement and depression? Come on now, and just sorrow and all, just all heaviness all the time on you. You can't. You cannot give what you do not have. But he says, if you want to do what I've called you to do and be the vessels I've called you to be and to be the instruments that I've called you to be and come on now and to go out there into the wilderness come on now and into the dry season the dry lands come on now out there where there is no water he says you are the water that I want to sow you are the seed that I want to sow I'm going to sow my word but my word is going to come has to be in you first and then I'm going to pick you up and sow you but if I can't sow you, I can't sow my word. If I can't sow you, I can't sow the Holy Spirit. If I can't sow you, I can't sow my power. If I can't sow you, I can't sow my presence. Because my presence, my power, come on, my, my love, my hope, my joy, my peace has to be in you. Then I pick you up and throw you. That's why Jesus said the harvest is huge. It's mammoth. And he says, pray to the Father that he would thrust out and throw. The word is ekbalo in the Greek language. It is, ek means to throw, balo is the, where we get the English word ball. It means to take like a, you throw a ball forcefully. It's the same exact word when it says that he cast out demons. He ekbaloed the demons. In fact, in, uh, in, in uh, Luke chapter 4, when Jesus literally comes up out of the water after the baptism, it says that he was, I know the, trans, the English translation says that he was led by the Holy Spirit. The word is ekbalo. It means that the Holy Spirit forcefully took Jesus and forced him into the wilderness and cast him like a ball into the wilderness to conquer the enemy and to pass some tests so that he could come out on the other side. <sighs> at a whole nother level of God's Father's glory, full of the power of the Holy Spirit, he says, when he came out on the other side. And that's when he started his ministry. Whew. We've got to be willing to allow the Lord to pick us up. Let's be people, come on now, of hope like never before. Whatever you're facing here tonight, whatever's going on in your life, no matter what the enemy is saying to you, no matter what circumstances are screaming to you, those on the call, those watching on Facebook, I want to just impart, I'm praying, Holy Spirit. Come on, who wants an upgrade of joy tonight? Come on now, come on. 
Four people. The rest of you don't, I guess. Okay, that's all right. That's right. You can go. Come on now. That's right. Go out with the same old joy. Come on now. If you want an upgrade, you may get, come on now. You may, it might be a little embarrassing. Come on now. <clears throat> oh, good. Three people want it. Praise the Lord. Thank God. <clears throat> Thank God for three people. We got three people that want the joy of the Lord tonight. Come on. The joy of the, come on, of the Lord is our strength. It comes by spending time in his presence right there. Come on now. It says that when you show up with joy, let me say it again. You show up with a joyful expectation that the Lord is about to do something good for you. Mm, now you can grab a hold of people. Come on now. And you can strengthen everybody around you. And you can like, and then you can say with confidence and authority. Come on now. You can only speak words of authority if you have authority. And authority comes by way of experiencing it. If you've never experienced it, right? Come on now. It's one thing to, I like to say it like this, man. Once It's one thing to, to read a book. Come on, and look, come on, at, at, a, at a Lamborghini. Come on, I saw one the other day that Lee was parked there. Man, one crazy cool car right there. Come on, powerful car. Man, you can read a book. You can read magazines. You can listen to people talk about it kind of thing all you want. And, uh, and it's all, that's all nice and good. But once you get in the thing, come on now, you get in the car and you start driving the Lamborghini and you feel the vibrations of that engine. Come on. And you feel the, 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 the wheels chirp when you switch gears kind of thing. And you feel the torque and you feel the throw. My God, after you've experienced it now you can speak with some real authority of what it means to drive a Lamborghini you are you following me come on now it's one thing to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit it's another thing to experience his power it's another it's one thing to talk about the joy and it's another thing to experience the joy because once you experience it and experience it once you experience the experience of the experience nobody can take that away from you you have such a deep conviction convicted conviction no matter what they say they can argue until they're blue in the face it means nothing to you because you speak as a person of authority. So that's why we can't just simply talk about this. We got to experience it. And once you experience laying hands on the sick, come on now, and seeing them get healed. Once you experience, come on, a demon coming out of a person. Come on, once you experience, I've experienced, I've seen blind eyes open up. I've seen it. So I, when I pray for people, I'm not wondering, I'm not hoping, uh, well, you know, kind of thing. I'm not trying to get the Lord into a good mood to do it. No, I know it is his will to do it. And even tonight, when I speak this message here tonight, this is a message I have lived literally for 50 years. I've been ministering full time for 35 years, and I've had all hail come online multiple times throughout the 35 years of full-time ministry and here I am still standing seeing my dreams come to pass in my life seeing the reality of what God promised because I refuse to lose my joy I refuse to lose my joyful expectation that the Lord is about to do something good how many can believe that for your life tonight come on now Amen. How many can believe that God wants to do that in the Hollywood industry? Come on now. That God can actually change and shift the atmosphere. If you, what I'm talking about here, Isaiah 53, if you're living that and you're showing up in the industry, showing up in the business that you work, showing up in the business that you own kind of thing, and you begin to live that out, I promise you, people around you are going to want what you have. You don't even really need to talk about it that much. They're going to want, they're going to start asking you questions because they need, they want. Without it, they're not going to make it to the end. Lift your hands to the Lord. Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus here tonight. I thank you, Lord God, for each and every person that came out here tonight. I thank you, Lord, for every son, every daughter, Lord God, Father, Lord, that's here tonight in the building. Lord God, those that are on the, the Google Meet call here, Lord God, those that are watching on Facebook here tonight. Father, I lift them all up. 
Lord God, those that are listening to the podcast, Lord, whether it's tonight, tomorrow, next week, whatever it is, there is no time or space with, 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 with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Whatever is going on in your life, no matter what the enemy is saying, no matter what arrows are flying towards you, no matter what kind of spirits of discouragement, depression, oppression, uh, <clears throat> a lack of hope, whatever, trying to steal your dream, your vision for your life, trying to convince you that it's over, that the best days of your life are, are behind you kind of thing. I countermand all of that tonight in the name of Jesus. And I decree and declare, I grab a hold in prayer tonight now. We grab a hold and we lock our shields of faith together tonight. Come on. We lock our shields of faith together tonight now in the name of Jesus. And we stand against the strategies of the enemy in the name of Jesus. I don't care how many strategies he rolls out of hell. Every one of them shall not prevail against the people of God. We thank you that no weapon formed against them can prosper. Every tongue that rises up in judgment shall be condemned and put down and extinguished. For this is the heritage of the saints of the living God. I thank you, Lord God, that you said, yes, in this world we will experience trials and tribulations. But you said, go ahead and be cheerful. Go ahead and rejoice. Go ahead and have some joy. Go ahead and rejoice because I've already gone on before you and stripped this world of all of its power to harm you in any which way whatsoever. Mm, so we can rejoice tonight knowing that the battle is already won, knowing that the Lord has already stripped the enemy of all power, all authority, and all dominion whatsoever. We thank you, Lord God, that if you are for us, Nobody can be successful against us, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord God, Father, for your love tonight, Lord God. I thank you that you love to demonstrate, Lord God, and manifest your love by demonstrating your power. What kind of God would you be if you loved us, but you never demonstrated your power on our behalf, Lord? That's not, that's not a loving God, Lord God, Father. So we, Lord God, I bind that kind of thinking in the name of Jesus, and I decree that your God is an avenger. Your God is powerful, and your God is on his way to your house to save you, to deliver you, to heal you, and to cause supernatural recompense and restoration to come to you your place and you're not going to just simply bounce back you're going to bounce beyond come on now not God is not a God of bounce back he's the God of the bounce beyond that which you were at and you're going to have more than what you lost in the name of Jesus God is going to do it for you as you stay strong oh my God be courageous be bold do not fear the Lord your God is ever near so we thank you Lord God Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, may the prophetic word of God that has come forth here tonight under your prophetic anointed canopy, Lord God, Father, may it impart fresh faith, fresh hope, fresh joy, and supernatural strength to their spirit, strength to their soul, strength to their bodies, strength to their minds. Strength to their emotions, strength to their thinking, strength to their wills in the name of Jesus. So we thank you, Lord God. We praise you. We worship you. We adore you, Lord God. Come on. Somebody receive the word of the Lord tonight. Come on. Let's give the Lord some praise. Come on. Let's begin to thank him. Hallelujah. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen.